there. Then Peter said, that is, he said to the lame man that was laid at the temple, uh, the gate of the uh, uh, temple, and the name of the gate was beautiful. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter took the lame man by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately the lame man's feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And skipping down to verse 12, this is Acts chapter 3. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? And Jesus' name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith that comes through him has given him perfect, this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Peter further told the Sanhedrin, the rulish, uh, religious council of the uh, Jewish people. He told them, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, <clears throat> by him this man stands here before you whole. And finally, Jesus not only had power over sicknesses and infirmities, but he also had power over the devil. The name of Jesus has power over the devil himself. Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 19. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, possessed by, with a spirit of divination, met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Father, as we examine, Lord, uh, the power that is behind your name, the power that was uh, <clears throat> you, that you used the disciples to uh, uh, cast out demons and to heal the sick and lame. Lord, I pray that you would just impress upon us, Lord, as we see your name in action. Lord, we've been uh, discussing so many aspects of your name, and it's time that we see how it can work for us. And we thank you, Lord, for that you've given us that authority to use your name, Lord, so that your power might be manifested in this dark world, Lord God, that is rapidly slipping away, Lord. And we thank you for your return, Lord. Uh, but we can be your emissaries here on earth, Lord, in the meantime. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Okay, we've been studying the name of Jesus for a number of weeks now. Again, it's part of our larger series on spiritual warfare or winning the uh, spiritual battle. And we've been talking specifically on the weapons of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 3 and 4 tells us that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. The strongholds that the enemy builds up in our lives, those can be pulled down. They can be torn down through these weapons. We've talked about the different weapons. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Prayer in the spirit. Fasting. The name of Jesus, which again we've been on for a number of weeks now. The high praises of God, Psalm 149, verse 6, tells us, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hands. And finally, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony is recounted in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Some of the things that we've learned on the name of Jesus. We learned that Jesus, because of his humility and obedience, was given the name that is above every name. Philippians chapter 2. Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess uh, those on in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Prayer in the Spirit. I'm sorry. Uh, um, uh, Jesus not only was given that name above every name in Philippians chapter 2, but we also read that he inherited the name that is above every name. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2, verse, uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says that God has appointed him, Jesus, heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. And then in verse 4, he says, being, having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a much more excellent name than they. Jesus also received that name above every name by conquest. When he rose from the dead, he conquered all of the forces of darkness. They all sought to keep him you know, entombed there in the lower parts of the earth. But he burst forth and conquered them all. And now we share in that triumph also through the name of Jesus. It says in Romans 8, verse 37, that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us so. We also saw that Jesus in chapter 14 and 16 gave us authority to pray for things that would benefit his kingdom, in effect giving us power of attorney. And we are to pray for things that advance his kingdom and not our own. We don't go around claiming a million dollars and say, I'm going to have that million dollars in the name of Jesus. Now, that's the, usually we want that to advance our own kingdom and not his. Jesus has all authority to accomplish this, both on heaven and on earth. 
Just before his ascension to heaven, Jesus told his disciples, all authority has been given me on heaven and earth. And he instructed us to go forth and to make disciples of all nations. So we can go forward as his representatives because we've been given the name of Jesus. We also looked at the Gospels. We saw that Jesus uh, demonstrated power over sickness and infirmities, also demons, nature, and even death. And now the church, through the name of Jesus, also has that authority. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, how the church manifested it. Now, we can do the same works as Jesus. Okay, repeat after me. I can do the same works as Jesus. Okay, again. I can do the same works as Jesus. We know this because this is what Jesus, uh, uh, in, in his swan song, the Upper Room Discourse, John chapter 13 through 17. Right in the middle there, he said in verse 11 of John chapter 14, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake, the very works that he had been doing. And now here, verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes on me the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to, to my Father, because I go unto my Father. And then this is a scripture I've been quoting to you, verses 13 through 14, to show that we have been given the name of Jesus in prayer. And whatever you shall ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So we ask Jesus to do the works, and then he will do it th them through us. Okay, now the context of this passage right here. You know, you, you notice there, especially in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. He's going to his Father in heaven, and now we do these works uh, through him. Okay, now when he says greater works than, uh, than uh, uh, what I've done, you will do. He was talking about quantity, not necessarily quality. You know, I don't think anybody can exceed the quality of the works that Jesus did as exemplified, say, maybe by the ra uh, raising of uh, Lazarus from the dead. And, uh, but he was talking about quantity because Jesus was only one man while he walked the earth, whereas we are many. But we can do those same works uh, in our lives too. As I said, we're going to see the name in action, the name of Jesus in 
action in the book of Acts. Okay? And I'm going to be going through a number of uh, scriptures here in the book of Acts. Now, if you read through the book of Acts, I hope that all of you have read it at one time or another, you will see these things. But I'm going to go through a number of them and I'm going to this morning and I'm going to uh, make my own comments as we go through there. First of all, we see that the name of Jesus has power over sicknesses and infirmities. Now, we've taught, I used it as an example at the outset, the uh, uh, story of the healing of the lame man. Okay? Now, one of the th- I've, I've talked about this uh, a lot lately. And one of the things, points that I was bringing out is, you know, when I, I go through this scripture, I wonder, why didn't Jesus heal him, you know, during his earthly ministry? You know, when you think about it, it says that lame man was laid at the temple gate, uh, uh, beautiful of the temple, which was common for everybody to pass through. And he'd want to be there because, you know, there was high traffic. He stood the most chance of getting alms for his affliction. So why didn't Jesus heal him earlier? Well, I believe the reason why is that God was reserving this man so that that outstanding miracle found there in Acts chapter 3 could be manifested. You know, when Jesus, when uh, Peter stood up there and uh, gave his uh, uh, message on the day of Pentecost and said 3,000 people got saved. But when the uh, lame man was healed, they got 5,000 more. So more people got saved due to that miracle than they had on the day of Pentecost. So this is an example in scripture of what's known as a divine delay. You know, another example of that was, as I just mentioned, about the healing, or actually the raising of the dead of Lazarus. You know, I was looking up on the map about where Jesus was when he first got word that Lazarus was sick. And uh, uh, it's about a three days journey, you know, uh, from uh, where Jesus was to the, uh, uh, the, <clears throat> uh, the home of Lazarus. And then you take the two extra days that he waited before they took off. So that's five days. So that was uh, a full day before Lazarus uh, was going to die. Now Jesus could have just said the word, Lazarus, be healed. He could do that, couldn't he? Because he did that with the uh, centurion's uh, servant. And there's other occasions too where he just spoke the word. He was miles and miles away from where the miracle occurred. And it happened. He could have done that with Lazarus. So why didn't he? Because he had an even greater miracle. God's timing is always perfect. Everybody say that. God's timing is always perfect. His deadlines are not our deadlines. And the more you walk with him, the more you find that out. And death, burial, and resurrection are not what, uh, just what happened to 
Lazarus and later Jesus himself. This is a scriptural principle that happens all throughout uh, uh, scripture. Perfect example of that. You know, it's what they, uh, they call uh, uh, in, uh, with Youth with a Mission. Youth with a Mission is a you know, world-famous missions organization. You know, they had 300 of them when I uh, was ministering in Thailand back in the uh, early 80s. They talk about death of a vision. Perfect example of that is Joseph. What happened with Joseph? Joseph had this dream, right? He saw his whole family, his father, his mother, and his uh, uh, brothers all bowing down to him. He had two different dreams regarding that. What happened? The brothers didn't like that. You're going to bow down, we're going to bow down to you? Not a chance. And so they took him, they threw him in a pit, and later sold him into Egypt. Said, what's going to happen with his dreams now? And Joseph wound up as a servant. Then he wound up in prison for several years, falsely accused of attempted rape. He experienced death of a vision. But then what happened? God resurrected that. And he became a high official in Pharaoh's court. And he saw his uh, brothers bowing down to him, just like in his dream. He went through the death of a vision. And God took that vision and resurrected it, and it was more powerful than he could have imagined. Same thing with uh, Moses, too. Moses uh, had a death of a vision, too. He spent 40 years in the backside of uh, the desert, tending to these woolies. And then God resurrected that vision, and he became the leader of his uh, nation that would lead them uh, on the exodus and to the brink of the promised land. Now, I have personally seen this happen too. God gave me the vision to, uh, that I was going to be a missionary to Thai people. And my wife and I served over there for uh, 19 months. We came back and I experienced the same thing. The death of a vision. And for 16 long years, that ministry to Thai people was just a forgotten dream. I settled in the San Diego area. God uh, provided a good job that I could raise my family with. And then one day he really laid this heavy burden of prayer on me. It's through a situation at work. But I went out and I spent my lunch hours in the back seat of my car praying, praying in tongues. And every day I would end up with quoting those two Ephesian prayers that I've told you about. And that's why I encourage you to pray them for yourself and your family. Pray them for your pastor. I sure need it. Found at the end of Ephesians chapter 1 and also chapter 3. And the concluding verse 
in the, the prayer in chapter 3 says, Now unto him, Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's what Joseph experienced. That's what Moses experienced. And it's what I experienced. Because God at that point laid on my heart to make a return trip to... Uh, uh, <clears throat> to Thailand for the first time in 16 years. And when I came back, I found out about this uh, Thai church that was just getting off the ground. And so I got in on the ground floor of that church. Praise the Lord. So he resurrected that vision. I remember the uh, wife of my ex-pastor at the time, you know, I told them what had happened. And they just, the, the, uh, the wife of the pastor just looked at me and beamed. And she said, Cliff, the Lord has brought the mission field home to you. So, believe me, I know what I'm talking about. Death of a vision. I've experienced it. And what is your vision right now? What are your dreams in life? They seem like they've just been put on hold. You know, they've gone into cold storage. Maybe you've got a dream for your family, you know, that your uh, family, particularly your children, will be serving God. Maybe you're a young person here. Do you have a dream? What is your dream in life? What do you want God to do in your life? Do you even want God to do something? You should. If you're walking with him, that should be something that you want him to do. So God is able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Everybody say that. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And it's yours if you claim it in the name of Jesus. But pray those prayers for yourself, brothers and sisters. They work. I know firsthand they work. Okay, now, this happened because of the name of Jesus, this miracle of uh, healing the lame man. How did it happen? It, it happened because of faith, Jesus' name, but be, through faith in his name. That's what it says in Acts chapter 3 verse 16. And Jesus' name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith that comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So the power to heal the lame man was through the name that is the authority that Jesus gave us the name of Jesus, but this authority is energized by our faith in it. You have to believe in it, brothers and sisters. You have to believe that the name works. So my question to you today is, do you have a faith in the name of Jesus? Do you really believe it can and will work for you? Again, you need Revelation knowledge of that. Now, first Ephesian prayer in chapter 1, verse 17, uh, Paul prayed that the Ephesian believers would be given the Spirit 
of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The epigonosco, the intimate knowledge of Jesus. And the intimate knowledge of the power that is behind that name. Now there's a number of other healings that were performed by the disciples throughout the book of Acts. And the invocation of the name of Jesus is not specifically mentioned in any of them. But I believe that because of the power pattern that is set in Acts chapter 3, it is assumed for all of them. Other healings in the book of Acts. The story of the healing of the Apostle Paul. Remember how the Apostle Paul saw that vision when he was going to uh, persecute the believers on the road to Damascus. He was struck by this vision of the risen Lord. And what happened? He was blinded by the vision. And so they had to lead him into the city. And they sat there for three days and three nights fasting and praying. Must have been a really time of soul searching for him. And then God moved upon a man by the name of Ananias to come and lay hands on him and heal him and lead him to Christ. Verse 17 of Acts chapter 9. And Ananias went his way, entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from Paul's eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. You have another story later on in the chapter, chapter 9. And uh, Peter says, There Peter found a certain man named Aeneas. This is in a town called Lydda who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make up your bed. And he arose immediately. So he was also healed. <coughs> Acts chapter 9 verses 33 and 34. Note again, where does that healing power come from? didn't come from Peter. It came from Jesus Christ. Peter says, Jesus Christ heals you. So you don't personally have the power of healing in you. It comes from Jesus, but you have the authority to exercise it through the name of Jesus. Another healing, uh, other healings, Paul's healing ministry. Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. He's on his first missionary journey with uh, Barnabas. It says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in, in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. So he was like the man that was born blind, uh, I'm sorry, born uh, uh, lame in Acts chapter 3, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, and Paul, observing him intently, seeing that he had 
the faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet, and he leaped and walked. Okay, it says that he had faith to be healed. What's the implication there? The implication that if he didn't have faith to be healed, he wouldn't have been healed, right? He had faith to be healed, how? Because Paul must have been talking about the healing power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so Paul was preaching on that very subject and it breathed faith into this man and he was healed of his lameness. And finally, about healing, after being shipwrecked on the Isle of uh, Patmos, I'm sorry, the Isle of Malta, the Isle of Patmos was uh, John, the Isle of Ma uh, Malta, this is found at the very end of the book of Acts, you know, the story about Paul uh, being imprisoned, in, first in Jerusalem, then in Caesarea, and uh, he told the uh, judges, the, uh, <clears throat> uh, the judge in Caesarea, along with uh, the king, uh, I believe it was Agrippa, he said, I appeal to Caesar. They're going to turn him over to the Jews. And he says, I appeal to Caesar. I'm a Roman citizen. That is my right. So they said, well, you've appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you will go. And so he boarded a ship along with his, uh, some jailers and, and the Roman soldiers, and they were shipwrecked. They wound up clear across the Mediterranean Sea at the Isle of Malta. And while they were there, it says in verse 7 of uh, uh, Acts chapter 28, in that region of Malta there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to him and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. Paul had quite a reputation already because the, you know the story where uh, uh, they were trying to build a fire because it was really cold and rainy. And while he's building the fire, there was a, uh, a poisonous asp that came out and fastened itself on his hand. And all the people expected, they said, this man must be a murderer. You know, they didn't who he, know who he was. They said, he must be a murderer. Because, and uh, even though he's escaped the sea, Fate has uh, decreed that he will not escape uh, death. But he just it says that he just shook the asp into the fire and felt no harm. And they changed their minds. And said, instead of saying that he is a murderer, they said he must be a god. Well, he wasn't a god. He was just a man like everybody else. But he had something that none of them had besides the, his fellow disciples. And he had the name of Jesus. So Paul had that reputation and then he manifested it when he healed the uh, uh, father of Publius, the high, one of the high officials of the island of Malta.
And what happened after that? Many people came to him and with their sicknesses, and they were healed also. Okay, the name of Jesus also has power over demons. Okay, I read this in the beginning. Now, it happened when we went to prayer that a certain slave girl, this is in the uh, city of Philippi, certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us crying and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us in the uh, King James says, the way of salvation, but the Greek reads, our way of salvation. This she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, the Spirit came out that very hour. But when the, her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. Okay, so things I want to point out here. Paul speaks to the Spirit. The Spirit is a definite entity. It's a definite personage. It's not an impersonal force like many people think of these things. And he spoke directly to the Spirit and he says, I command you. He was speaking to a personage, not an impersonal force. And it says that the Spirit came out in that very hour. Another thing, to verse 19, when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone. Why? Because she made them a lot of money. She would tell fortunes, and many times these fortunes would come true. Because she had that spirit of divination. The indication is that behind the occult, there are spiritual forces, spiritual entities, spiritual personages. And Paul had the gift. You remember in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about the nine gifts of the Spirit? One of those nine gifts of the Spirit is discerning of spirits. And Paul must have discerned that there was a spiritual force that was operating in this young lady's life. And so he cast out the spirit, and then once, once the spirit was cast out, the owners recognized that, that she wouldn't be able to tell fortunes anymore. We also see how to perform an exorcism. Don't go according to what the exorcist, that movie said, of calling speaking to the Spirit and saying, come into me. No, Paul didn't say, come into me, Spirit. He said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it says that she came, that it came out of her that very hour. And brothers and sisters, there is real power behind the occult. You know, my mentor, the late Dr. Walter R. Martin, used to compare the occult to an unopened door and the handle is on our side. You can turn that handle with Ouija boards. You can turn the handle with tarot cards. You can turn the handle with seances or astrological uh, charts. 
But once you turn that handle and open the door, you have no control over what comes in from the other side. The only control that you have is in the name of Jesus. And so every Christian should leave that unopened door unopened. Don't open it up. And if you've got any occultic paraphernalia, I tell you this time and time again, if you've got any occultic paraphernalia, destroy it. Burn it. That's the only way that you'll uh, sever that, that uh, uh, power that they have over you. Over you. Now, the next passage I'm going to sh share with you is kind of humorous. In fact, it's uh, really, I think, one of the most humorous passages in the Bible. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. This is at the uh, city of Ephesus, by the way. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. There were also also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. Now, this is the, what, what's funny about this. Then the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. I have experienced Jesus. This is Gnosko. I have experienced Jesus. He experienced Jesus firsthand when Jesus raised from the dead. Jesus, I know. And Paul, I am acquainted with. But who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This again shows you the real power that is behind the occult. I mean, it was seven against one. But because this man was possessed by that spirit that spoke, he was powerful enough to overpower them. Same thing happened with uh, Jesus. You know, remember when Jesus uh, went over to the uh, land of the Gadarenes and there met him a man that had a legion. He had several thousand spirits that were in him and says that they kept on trying to hold him. They would bind him with chains and all kinds of things and he would break them. These spiritual forces in a person that is demon-possessed have supernatural power. And so the seven sons of Sceva, as the old saying goes, you don't know what you're dealing with. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, they didn't know what they were dealing with. And it overpowered them and it prevailed against them and they fled out of that house naked and wounded. Later on, because of this occurrence, everybody heard about it. And what did they do? The people that were engaged in these occultic practices recognized the power. By the way, the, the, the lesson that you also learn here is you have to be a believer before you possess the name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen? They didn't have the name because they weren't believers. To them, it was just a mysterious power that was uh, uh, exercised by Paul when he would perform these miracles and uh, exorcisms. Okay? So they didn't have the <clears throat> that. But it says that because of this, the name of Jesus was magnified and the people that were engaged in these secret practices brought all of their occultic books and they burned them. And they counted up the number of pieces of uh, uh, how valuable they were and it was 50,000 pieces of silver. Now when I was teaching on the name of Jesus during that first uh, missionary trip that I made back in the early 80s, I delivered a teaching to these people that were from up country. Specifically, I think they were from uh, Isan, which is the northeast part of Thailand. And for them, these spiritual forces are very, very real. So I came to this passage to uh, emphasize to them the superiority of Jesus over the name of Jesus, over these spiritual forces. And I came to that, and they thought this was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> the fact that uh, these uh, sons of Sceva, who did not possess the name of Jesus, tried to invoke it, and it was to their detriment. They found it absolutely hilarious. You see, for those people, the spiritual forces are much more real than they are to us. Okay, finally, with uh, power over demons. Acts chapter 13. Now when they had gone through the, to the isle, island to Paphos, th this is during Paul, the initial stages of Paul's first missionary journey, Barnabas and Saul and, uh, uh, <clears throat> and also uh, uh, John Mark, they had gone through the island of Cyprus to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus, in other words, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man, that is Sergius Paulus, called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, this is again Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer, so, for so is his name translated, withstood them. He tried to hinder them from preaching the word of the Lord to Sergius Paulus, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, this is the first time he was actually called Paul, he was Saul before, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled up to brimming over, as the Greek reads, with the Holy Spirit looked intently at him and said, O oh, full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the right ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately there fell a dark mist on Elimus the sorcerer, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. This is a classic example of the forces of light against the forces of darkness. 
The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. In a conflict between light and darkness, light wins 100% of the time. Can you say amen to that? Hallelujah. And this is just like uh, Moses with the wise men and uh, sorcerers in Pharaoh's court. Paul throw, uh, uh, Moses throws down his staff, becomes a snake. And so the sorcerers did the same thing. But what happened? Moses' snake swallowed them up. And they were pitted against each other. Moses did uh, miracles. The sorcerers were able to duplicate it up to one point when he caused flies to appear and they could not do it. And it says they, they said, this is the finger of God. The finger of God is always stronger than the finger of Satan. But if you really want to know what the occult is all about, number one, it is withstanding, withstander, uh, uh, withstood them so it is withstander of the word of God going forth. They always seek to thwart it. Okay, number two, Paul said you, you are full of all deceit. That's number two. Number three, you're full of all fraud. Number four, you're a son of the devil, a child of the devil. Number five, you are an enemy of all righteousness. And number six, you are a perverter. If you are involved in the occult, you, they pervert the right ways of the Lord. That shows you exactly what is behind the occult. So, brothers and sisters, stay away from it. Amen? Okay, let's move right along here. There's power over nature. In... Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This is Philip the evangelist. He's been in Samaria, and God directs him. Uh, verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south along the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. In other words, it's out in the middle of nowhere. So the Holy Spirit directed Philip to a chariot out on this road. And in, on that chariot was an, uh, a eunuch from Ethiopia. It says that he was a high official in their queen's court. And he was reading from the book of Isaiah, the story of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. Remember two weeks ago when I was uh, going through, uh, you know, other scriptures that, that uh, talk about the crucifixion of the Lord. And I stayed the entire chapter, 53rd chapter of Isaiah, talks about Jesus the, as the suffering servant, how he would suffer and bleed and die on the cross for our sins. So he had no idea, the Ethiopian eunuch had no idea what this was talking about. And Philip heard him reading, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I, unless somebody explains it to me. And uh, that's when Philip told him that it was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he led him to Christ and baptized him. And this is when things get very interesting. Verse 39 of uh, uh, Acts chapter 8, 
Now, when they came up out of the water from the baptism, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went his way rejoicing. The eunuch went his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. So Philip was miraculously transported. You know, this again is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about the working of miracles. So give you an idea of what's going on here. Okay, so Philip is on his way from uh, Jerusalem. Here's Jerusalem here. And he's going down to Gaza. That's this little town right here. You can't read it, but uh, trust me, that's what it says. Okay? And so he's somewhere around in here. It says there was much water. So he was probably on one, uh, they were at one of these little rivers right in here. And it says that he was transported from there up to Azotus. Azotus, again, you can't read it, but it's right in this region here. So he was transported a distance of about uh, maybe 15 or 20 miles, miraculously. So again, the working of miracles, power over nature. Now, why God sent him on that road, you know, didn't miraculously transport him right over there to the chariot. You know, the Bible doesn't say, but that, that's what, uh, what, what happened. Okay. Last of all here, the disciples, the apostles, exhibited power over death. Acts chapter 9, verses 36 through 41. At Joppa... There was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, that is her body, they laid her body in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples heard that Peter was there, and they sent two men to him imploring him not to delay in coming uh, to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by, weeping, showing tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. So just as Jesus rose, uh, raised people from the dead, so Peter was able to do it, just like Jesus. Okay, last example, and then I'm done here. Power over death, Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You think I'm long-winded. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. 
And in the window sat a certain young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Okay? Lesson there? Don't fall asleep on the preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Paul went down, fell on him, and embracing him, do not trouble yourselves, for his life is in him. So he raised Eutychus from the dead. Now when he had come up, he had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even until daybreak, he departed. And they brought the young man in alive and they were not a little comforted. So Eutychus was also raised from the dead. You have Dorcas and Eutychus as recounted in the book of Acts, raised from the dead by the disciples through the name of Jesus. Okay, so I've read a lot of scriptures from that book, but you can read it for yourself and see how the name works, how it works in action. And again, brothers and sisters, you've got to believe in it. And when you read miracles such as the ones that I've been recounting today, then you will see that it can work for you. Okay. Before we uh, close in prayer, go on ahead and cue that uh, song up, uh, uh, Susie. We'll have a closing song here.
Father, we thank you so much, Lord, uh, just as the song that we have just listened to has said that this gospel truth of old is still alive today, and Lord, it shall not bow to the forces of darkness, it shall not kneel, but Lord, the forces of darkness must kneel to us, must kneel to the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the power that is in that name. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, think and meditate upon the scriptures that I've shared today out of the book of Acts, Lord, and put them into practice in our own lives. And uh, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I'm sorry, Darren, I should have had you do this earlier. Would you stand up and introduce your lovely wife to us? Okay, welcome the hallelujah, praise the Lord. Okay, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we're done for the day. Uh, Susie's brought some uh, request over here for me. Okay, so we've got uh, Dwayne. And also uh, Marilyn Heaton. What is this? What do you mean by swap on this? Uh, swap. Swap. Oh, Dwayne swap. Okay, got you. Okay, both of them have back trouble, 
So pray for them. Everybody knows how backs can really hurt a lot. You know, make your whole body ache. So I can sympathize with them. Okay, pray for Bob McClay. Okay, Pastor Sandra for her foot. Also, Bob McClay for his foot. Apparently, he's not as mobile as I thought he would be. But he had that foot operation to remove an infection in his foot back in uh, November. And it's three months later. And he's still really laid up. He's still... uh, uh, you know, I still need to get in touch with him, find out if he can use uh, one of those little scooters like uh, what Sandra is uh, using to <clears throat> get around. So pray for Pastor Sandra. She should be, I'll have to call her today and find out uh, what the latest is. Pray for uh, John and uh, also Jackie. Both of them have suffered uh, strokes. Okay. Um, pray for Miranda. Miranda is a an FLDS lady. She's 26. And I'm not sure. I need to contact uh, uh, the people that are sponsoring her. They live in... Uh, Tennessee. I I need to find out what's happening with her. Okay, pray for Miranda. Okay, and then pray for uh, uh, Ethan. Trevi and Pat. And Pam, I'm sorry, Pam. Pam. Sue? Sue, yeah, Sue for Susie's... uh, for her uh, knee. How's your knee doing, Susie? Yeah, still there. <laughs> still giving you a lot of fits. Okay. Other personal requests? Okay. Yeah, you got to say it right. It's not gay. It's gay. Gay, like a question. Gay is uh, Dolly's uh, daughter-in-law. She only has one ovary, and uh, she's expecting. So there, uh, see, it's the twenty seventh, uh, sweetheart. Twenty seventh, she will go to the doctor and uh, have an appointment to surgery. Yeah, well, uh, uh, the twenty seventh is a Sunday. Yes, but oh, it has a private private hospital. Okay, so she, that's next Sunday. Yeah, that's that. Is that that's Sunday Thailand time? Right? Sunday Thailand time is uh, 14 hours ahead of us. So by the time we pray for it next week, uh, they'll already have the consultation. They're going to deliver the baby by uh, C-section. So they're going to decide exactly what day they're going to do that. And it'll be just in time maybe for uh, Dolly and I when we go to Thailand. We're 
<clears throat> leaving on uh, the 14th here, and we come back on the 31st. Her uh, son is getting married on the 27th of March. Okay, so pray for Gay and uh, other other personal prayer requests. Anybody? Okay, we always pray for our, our nation. Family and friends. Yeah, well, we we come to those. Those are last nation. Okay. What are the three things we pray for with the nation? And I hope you do this every day in your uh, uh, personal prayer life. Pray for revival. We pray for revival. We pray for leaders. And we pray for intercessors. Okay, now remember when Jesus talked about the role of the Holy Spirit? He said that the Holy Spirit would bring conviction to the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So, those three things we pray for revival, leaders, intercessors roughly coincide with that. Revival. That's the conviction of sin. And believe me, the sin is rampant in this nation right now. We have strayed so far from the righteous ways of the Lord. The righteous principles, godly principles that we were founded on. And the only thing that's going to bring us back is for a deep conviction of sin to hit the people of this nation. Righteousness... That's for your leaders. They need to be uh, making decisions, righteous decisions. So pray that God would show them the righteous ways to make. And, uh, you know, I always pray that if they, they refuse to repent, that God would replace them. And hopefully we'll get that done this next election that's coming up. And finally, of judgment, pray for intercessors. As it says in uh, <clears throat> in uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 30 and 31, that God sought for a person to stand in the gap, that he would not bring judgment upon the nation of Judah. And it says he found none. And he said, therefore, he has poured out his indignation and judgment fell. And I pray to God that we have not crossed that line yet. We're right there at the brink. So pray for intercessors, brothers and sisters. Pray that God would raise up people that would stand in the gap so his judgment would not befall. Okay, we also pray that for uh, Thailand, Dolly's home country of Thailand. And also for Israel. Something's going to happen over there, brothers and sisters. And I don't know what it is. But I do know that Israel, when they find themselves surrounded, they lash out. That's what exactly what happened in the Six-Day War. All of these Arab forces were 
arrayed against them, and they didn't sit around waiting to get attacked. They attacked right away. Caught everybody flat-footed, and in six days they had overrun the Golan Heights, the Sinai Peninsula, and East Jerusalem, the West Bank and East Jerusalem. Okay? So they may do the same thing. With Iran doing all this saber rattling, Israel may just take action and not permit them to get that nuclear bomb that they want. So pray for that. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Okay? And we always pray for family and friends, both saved and unsaved. Okay? Any other prayer requests? Okay, that's the spoken request. Who's got unspoken request? You got an unspoken request? Raise up your hand. You want God to meet that? Raise it high. Okay. Okay, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we just hold up to you, Dwayne Swap and Marilyn Heaton. Lord, these are requests that uh, Susie has brought forth. Uh, Lord, most of us probably don't know them, but Lord, she says they're experiencing a lot of trouble with their back, so Lord, they're undoubtedly in a lot of pain. And Lord, we pray that you administer to them and alleviate the, the back pain that they're experiencing, bring healing to their bodies. But Lord, more importantly, we pray that you bring healing to their souls, Lord, if they do not know you. And uh, Lord, uh, we pray that they might find you. Uh, take people that, that know them, Lord, and uh, uh, use them, Lord, to present the gospel to them. Pray for Bob McClay, Lord, with his foot. Lord, he's had that uh, operation on his foot, Lord, to uh, remove the infection. And Lord, I don't know exactly what's going on with him. Lord, I need to find out more. But Lord, he says he's still not mobile, Lord. He's still not even using a walker, Lord, to uh, get around. So I pray in Jesus' name that you'd bring healing to that foot, Lord, and help him to be about his uh, normal duties. Lord, it must be very frustrating to him, Lord, to be uh, <clears throat> Uh, laid up uh, like that for such an extended period of time. I also pray for uh, Pastor Sandra, bring healing to her foot, Lord, after she's had that uh, uh, screw replaced. Lord, it's been about a uh, month and a half, I think, now since the operation. So, Lord, I pray that you would help her to be able to put weight on it again and to be mobile. And, Lord, I pray that the operation, Lord, removing the screws that had heads on them with those that don't, Lord, would have a success, and Lord, she can walk uh, without pain, or at least not nearly with the pain that she had before. Pray for John in uh, Alaska and Je uh, Jackie, uh, uh, Pastor Sandra and Randy's next-door neighbor, Lord. They've had debilitating strokes, and it's been months for them, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you'd raise them up, and we pray again, Lord, for their spiritual needs, Lord, that they might find you and know you, Lord. Pray for Miranda, Lord. I thank you for the uh, way that... Uh, uh, Lance and Angela there in Tennessee have reached out to her. And Lord, I don't know what's happened with her, if uh, she's been able to go back to Tennessee or if she's still here in Fredonia, Lord. But I hold her up to you, Lord. She's made a profession of faith, Lord. But I know that the 
pull of that uh, uh, FLDS cult is strong upon her. So I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would uh, help her to break free of that, Lord. And uh, uh, Lord, I pray that she'd be able to uh, go back there to Tennessee, Lord, that all of her personal effects would be uh, able to go with her too. Lord, we pray also for Ethan, Trevi, and Pam. And Lord, they all have, have had uh, digestive problems, uh, varying uh, intensities, Lord. Pray for Ethan and Trevi, Lord, with the thyroid problems that they are having, Lord, that they might be healed from these. And also, Lord, for Pam, Lord, with the uh, digestive problems that she's having, Lord, and also for, for her back, Lord, I bring healing to her. Lord, I pray for uh, Susie, Lord, with her knee. And also, Lord, for her foot, Lord, she's had a lot of uh, pain with that foot, Lord, with the screws when she, uh, from when she broke her ankle. And so, Lord, he bring healing to that. Help her to be healed, Lord, too, of all the uh, problems that she's having with her knee. Thank you for this. Lord, we pray for Gay. And we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would give the doctors uh, uh, wisdom. Uh, next Sunday is they do the ultrasounds and the other things that they they do and decide when to uh, accomplish the uh, <clears throat> cesarean section. And uh, Lord, we pray that everything would go well and that her baby son, Lord, would be born whole and uh, Lord, uh, that he would be healthy too. And uh, Lord, we praise and thank you, Lord, that she was able to uh, get pregnant even with only having one ovary. And Lord, I pray for your perfect will to be worked out in her life if uh, she and uh, Top intend to have more children. Lord, we pray for this nation. Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit to sweep across this land to every corner, Lord, and bring about that conviction of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, Lord God. Lord, because uh, sin, Lord, our sin is very great, Lord. Sin of abortion, Lord, which is rampant, and all of the uh, sexual sin, Lord, and the gender studies and uh, this garbage, and Lord, how one side, Lord, wants to divide us, Lord, telling that... Uh, uh, there's two classes, Lord, oppressors and oppressed, Lord God. This is a lie from the straight, from the pits of hell, Lord, because this is America, Lord. Everybody has the opportunity to excel if they truly want to, Lord, and are willing to put in the work for it. And Lord, also for the sin of uh, uh, drug addiction. And, uh, Lord, that's leading to so many different deaths, Lord God, and uh, the sin of alcoholism, Lord, and the other things, Lord, that are uh, wreaking havoc in this nation, Lord God. I pray that you'd forgive us for our sins, Lord God, and help us to return to the godly heritage, Lord, that this nation was founded upon. Lord, I also pray that you would uh, bring that spirit of conviction of righteousness, particularly, Lord, to the leaders, Lord, and show them the right ways to rule, Lord, in their uh, respective jobs, Lord. And if they will not lis listen, Lord, I pray that they might be replaced by godly men and women that will do your bidding, Lord, and maybe do it, uh, Lord, when the uh, uh, new elections uh, come forth, Lord. And finally, I, Lord, I, for this nation, I pray for inner 
intercessors, that you would raise up people that will stand in the gap. And Lord, I pray that we're still in Ezekiel 22:30 and not to verse 31, where the judgment becomes inevitable. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up these intercessors right from this very congregation, Lord, but also for throughout the land, Lord God. And uh, Lord, I pray also for Thailand, Lord, that the COVID virus would be checked over there. Pray for the political situation over there too, Lord, that your perfect will would be worked out. I pray for your church, Lord God, uh, that uh, you would <clears throat> just uh, use the uh, people in your church there, Lord, to speak to Thai people. And Lord, be a shining light, a shining beacon, Lord, that city that is set on a hill for that nation. Lord, there's so much godlessness over there, Lord, and so much occultic uh, uh, worship and idolatry, Lord God. You know uh, what is uh, going on there. So, Lord, I pray that uh, the name of Jesus would be lifted up high, Lord God, and uh, uh, rule over those, the demonic spirits that are in that uh, nation. Pray for Israel, Lord. We see Iran doing all this uh, saber-rattling, how they're going to wipe Israel off the face of the map. And Lord God, they want to get that uh, nuclear bomb so that they can accomplish it. Lord, uh, I have no doubt, Lord, that you are going to protect Israel. Lord God, I do pray that you just give the uh, uh, rulers of that nation <clears throat> um, uh, wisdom, Lord, on how to deal with the fact that, uh, that Iran may have their hands on a nuclear bomb, Lord, maybe in within a, just a few months, Lord God. Help them to know how to handle it. And uh, Father, we also pray for our family and friends. Lord, we lift up to you, first of all, uh, the un unsaved loved ones. Uh, Lord God, I pray that you just bring people into their lives that will speak to them and uh, show them the true path, the way of salvation, Lord God. Bring about that conviction of sin in their lives too, Lord God, that they would know the truth and desire to experience it, Lord God, through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And for our saved uh, family and friends, our saved loved ones, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be used by you to exhort them to uh, achieve and excel higher heights, Lord God, in their spiritual walk. And Lord God, that you would keep them away from the, the sin of this world, Lord God, that's so rampant, Lord, Tem temptations, Lord, uh, of alcoholism and drug and drugs and uh, other uh, sex and things like that, Lord, that are so rampant. Thank you, Lord. And finally, Lord, we lift up to you these unspoken requests that were symbolized by the upraised hands, Lord. You know each person and each need that they have, Lord. So I pray in Jesus' name that those needs would be met now. And uh, we pray this and in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we claim them. We're believing you in Jesus' name that these requests that we've made known to you will be met, Lord. Hallelujah. And Lord, give us that 
peace of God that surpasses understanding. Let it rule over our minds and hearts in, uh, because we've prayed these things in the name of Jesus. And because we prayed them in the G- name of Jesus, we know that you are going to meet them in your own special way. Lord, we praise and thank you because you are able to exceedingly abundantly do above all that we ask or think. And we claim this promise in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Boy, she's she's rambunctious.